Hello everyone and welcome to Bookish Babbles, the podcast where we reread our favorite books and chat about them. I'm your host Allison, and without further ado, let's get started. everyone and welcome to episode 30 of bookish babbles uh today we are talking about chapters 19 to 21 of catching fire by suzanne collins we are on part three the enemy and the quarter quell has officially begun dun 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 also uh before we get started have you guys seen the trailer for the shadow and bone season two ah! i've definitely said in previous episodes that I am going to lose my mind when I see season two, especially when I see all the crows together for the first time. And oh my god, Jack looks so good as Wylan. And we get Nikolai, we have Tolia and Tamar. Ah! I need the season now. It's, um, it's, it's gonna be amazing. And also Loki want to get Alina's Kepka, the, specifically the blue one. That is like my favorite piece of costume in that show, but... Anyway, that's... Anyway, um, I'll link the trailer in the show notes just because, you know, in case you need an excuse to watch it again. This is your excuse. And speaking of adaptations, they've also started filming for season two of Heartstopper, so... Yay! Ah, Anna and the yearbook- and the Heartstopper yearbook is coming out, and everything's great in- right now in terms of, like, um, book-to-movie adaptation world, and... And yeah, I think that's all I really want to talk about. Yeah, not much going on this week. Um, other than, you know, work and boring stuff. But anyway, um, so let's just get into the episode. Um, so last week, uh, both Katniss and Peeta give middle fingers to the game makers during their private training sessions. Uh, they make friends with the other victors, which is going to make killing them even harder. Uh, during his interview, Peta drops a, a bomb that makes the capital pro-lifers lose their shit. And Katniss has to watch Cinna get beaten to a pulp seconds before being launched into the arena. Great times. Uh, this week, Katniss and Peta form an alliance with District 4. Peta nearly dies on day one. Mags isn't as lucky. And they encounter deadly monkeys. So with that being said, uh, let's dive into chapter 19. Okay, so like I said, we are on part three, the enemy. Who is the enemy? G- guess we have to keep reading to find out. Uh, so this chapter picks up right where the last one left off. Katniss is in another arena, um, standing on her uh, plate, podium, whatever you call that, um, in the middle of a body of water after having just watched Cinna being beaten up and dragged away by peacekeepers. And it's safe to assume that they uh, won't let him continue breathing for much longer. Uh, we, of course, hear Claudius uh, Templesmith announce, Ladies and gentlemen, let the 75th Hunger Games begin! And poor Katniss has less than a minute to pull herself together and ultimately manages to since, you know, Cinna ri- risked everything by undermining Snow and to help, you know, Im- further embolden the rebels um, by refusing to play the game Snow wants her to. Uh, so with all that in mind, Katniss is able... 
uh, to ground herself and take in her surroundings. Uh, the cornucopia is about 40 yards away on a little island in the center of the body of water, though there are 12 uh, spots connecting uh, the cornucopia island uh, and the rest of the arena, and a pair of tributes on pedestals are in between each spock. Uh, the closest tribute to Katniss is Woof, and she can't find Peta, and figures he must be on the other side of the cornucopia. Uh, Katniss looks around and realizes the only way to get off the pedestal and get to the cornucopia is to swim. Luckily for her, her father taught her how to swim at the lake, uh, though she's never swam in salt water before, but she manages. And has a slight advantage since, um, apart from her and the careers, most of the others aren't strong swimmers. Uh, Katniss runs the cornucopia where there's a pile of weapons at the mouth and immediately snatches up the bow and arrows. Uh, then senses someone approaching her and it's Finnick. And the exchange they have is perfect. Finnick, you can swim too? Where did you learn to do that in District 12? Katniss, we have a big bathtub. Finnick, you must. You like the arena? Katniss, not particularly, but you should. They must have built it especially for you. Ay, ay, ay. They squabble like siblings. I love them. Um, then the two of them are frozen for a moment until Phoenix says, Lucky thing we're allies, right? Um, for a second, Katniss thinks that it's a trap and is ready to fire an arrow until she sees the gold bangle that Finnick is wearing. The same one Hamish had, had been wearing. That was the gift from Effie. And, you know, it's a very clear signal slash order to ally with Finnick. And Katniss decides to trust him for now, just in, just in the nick of time, because Finnick tells her to duck. She does. And Finnick throws his triton and kills the guy from five. And just like that, someone's already dead. Uh, Finnick tells Katniss not to trust one and two, meaning that the traditional career pack is not a thing this year. Then again, the dynamic between the career districts has been so interesting especially now um since four is rebelling and one and two aren't uh anyway katniss and finnick uh, each guard one side of the cornucopia katniss sees an abari and gloss reaching the land uh finnick and katniss quickly determine that the cornucopia only has weapons so they grab what they want and go uh, Katniss also fires arrows at Gloss and Anabaria. Anabaria sees this coming and dives in the water. Uh, Gloss, however, gets shot in a calf and falls in, which I don't know why, but I laugh every time I see it in the movie. Uh, anyway, Katniss finds Peta still on his uh, plate and Finnick volunteers to go get him, even reminds Katniss to not to exert herself in her condition because, remember, the audience thinks that Katniss is pregnant. Uh, Katniss positions herself to cover Finnick, though no one is interested in attacking them at the moment. Um, the four careers are gathered at the cornucopia, picking their weapons. Uh, most of the others are still stuck on their plates, other than Max, who is swimming toward Katniss. Uh, Finnick reaches Peta and helps him get to shore. Uh, Peta, being charming as ever, says hello again to Katniss and gives her a kiss and comments about how, hey, we're allies now. Uh, Finnick also comments that he can't leave Max behind since, and I quote, she's one of the few people who actually likes me. Uh, goddamn. Between Finnick and Peta, I cannot handle this amount of charm and perfection. <laughs> Is that why both of them couldn't live, Suzanne? Anyway, moving on, moving on. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Um... Finnick 
also says uh, Katniss has good judgment since um, she wants she wanted to ally with Mags from day one. Uh, Mags also points out that Beatty has figured out that the belts on all their jumpsuits are flotation devices, and Brutus even used his earlier to shield himself from Katniss's arrows. Uh, Katniss thinks about asking Finnick to take uh, Beatty and Wyrus with them, but there's not really any time for that. So they keep moving and retreat into the jungle, and they climb uphill for about a mile before taking a break. Uh, during this break, Katniss scales a tree to look back at the cornucopia to see if she can see what's going on. And here's how it describes in the book what Katniss sees. Around the cornucopia, the ground appears to be bleeding. The water has purple stains. Bodies lie on the ground and, fl- and flow in the sea. But at this distance, with everyone dressed exactly the same, I can't tell who lives or dies. All I can tell is that some of the tiny blue feet you're still battle. Well, what did I think? That the victor's uh, chain of locked hands last night would result in some sort of universal truce in the arena? No, I never believed that. But I guess I just hope people might show some, what, restraint? Reluctance, at least. But they jumped right into massacre mode. And you all knew each other, I think. You acted like friends. I have only one real friend in here, and he isn't from District 4. Gosh dang, this passage is so good. And I don't know about you guys, but this feels very similar to thoughts that young Coriolanus had back in Ballad, especially, you know, after Gaul took him under her wing. And it is kind of interesting how you can draw parallels between uh, Snow and Katniss, especially now because we have Ballad. And it's not like thrown like in your face either. It's more subtle. But it's really interesting once you notice it. Like, um, for example, we know from the first book that for most of her life, Katniss is constantly battling hunger. And in Ballad, Coriolanus is also food insecure. And both of them have the pressure to take care of their families. Katniss, like quite literally, she goes hunting to feed everyone. And then Coriolanus needs to go to school and better himself so that his family can have financial security and keep up their, you know, elite status in the capital. Uh, but, you know, they all, uh, Corio and, and uh, Katniss obviously come from very different backgrounds and they go down very different paths. Uh, anyway, Katniss uh, climbs down from the tree to join the rest of the group and she considers shooting Finnick right then and there because she can't see a future in this alliance and little does she know. But Finnick, being the perspective person he is, uh, picks up on this and just stands there casually, holding his triton, waiting for Katniss to make the first move, almost like he's daring her to try. And I'm going to read the exchange they have. I mean, at this rate, I'm going to end up reading almost every single word Finnick utters in this book. And you know what? It would not be the worst thing ever. All right, so it starts toward the bottom of page uh, 276 with Finnick saying, What's going on down there, Katniss? Have they all joined hands, taking a vow of non-violence, tossed the weapons in the sea in defiance of the capital? Finnick asks. No, I say. No, Finnick repeats. Because whatever happened in the past is in the past, and no one in this arena was a victor by chance. He eyes Peta for a moment. Except maybe Peta. Finnick knows then what Hamish and I know, about Peta being truly deep down better than the rest of us, Finnick took out that tribute from five without blinking an eye, and how long did I take to turn deadly? I shot to kill when I targeted Enabaria and Gloss and Brutus. 
Peter would at least have attempted negotiations first, seeing if some wider alliance was possible. But to what end? Finnick's right. I'm right. The people in this arena weren't crowned for their compassion. I hold his gaze, weighing his speed against my own, the time it will take to send an arrow through his brain versus the time his triton will reach my body. I can see him waiting for me to make the first move, calculating if he should block first or go directly for an attack. I can feel we've both about worked it out when Peta steps deliberately between us. So how many are dead, he asks. Move, you idiot, I think, but he remains planted firmly between us. Hard to say, I answer. At least six, I think. And they're still fighting. Let's keep moving. We need water, he says. And remembering how um, she nearly died of dehydration the previous year, Katniss, you know, understandably agrees and wants to find water as soon as possible. Uh, plus, Finnick reminds her that the careers will be out hunting later that night, so maybe now's not the best time to, you know, unalive him. Um, there's a page left with something happening at the end of the chapter. I mean, something happens at the end of every chapter, but th that's how books work. Duh, but you know what I mean. The absence of water intensifies my thirst. I keep a sharp eye out as we continue our trek upward, but with no luck. After about another mile, I can see an end to the tree line and assume we're reaching the crest of the hill. Maybe we'll have better luck on the other side, find a spring or something. But there is no other side. I know this before anyone else, even though I am the furthest from the top. My eyes catch on a funny, rippling square hanging like a wrapped pane of glass in the air. At first I think it's the glare from the sun or the heat shimmering up off the ground, but it's fixed to... But it's fixed in space, not shifting when I move, and that's when I connect the square with Wires and Beatty in the training center and realize what lies before us. My warning cry is just reaching my lips when Peta's knife swings out to slash away some vines. There's a sharp zapping sound. For an instant, the trees are gone, and I see an open. For an instant, the trees are gone, and I see open space over a short stretch of bare earth. Then Peta's flung back from the force field, bringing Finnick and Max to the ground. I rush over to where he lies, motionless in a web of vines. Peta? There's a faint smell of singed hair. I call his name again, giving him a little shake, but he's unresponsive. My fingers fumble across his lips where there's no warm, where there's no warm breath, although moments ago he was panting. I press my ear against his chest to the spot where I always rest my head, where I know I will hear a strong and steady beat of his heart. Instead, I find silence. So with that, a heart-stopping cliffhanger. Oh, that was so bad, but I'm also not sorry. Um, time for a break. Hello everyone, it's Allison at a different point in time, and this is not a random recommendation. I haven't done one of those in a while, but um, this is just something I forgot to say during while I was recording. Um, basically, uh, just be on the lookout for some fall-themed bonus episodes that I'm planning to do, and I promise the very belated birthday book haul is also coming. I'm really bad at this, I know. But yeah, this is just plugging future bonus episodes so be on the lookout for those because it's fall woo i love it um yeah that's it that that's that that's the self-promotion ad <laughs> back to the episode
Okay, we're back. Um, so Katniss is understandably freaking out, um, as I did the first time I read this, because what the fuck, Suzanne? Because I didn't know if Peter would be okay. I still hadn't processed what happened to Cinna a second ago. Um, thankfully, uh, Finnick knows what to do and sprints into action. I guess part of District 4's uh, children's upbringing is learning CPR, which makes sense since they spend most of their time around water. Uh, Katniss doesn't quite understand at first what he's doing and almost shoots Vinnick uh, until she's so surprised by him seemingly kissing Peta. Uh, before she realizes that, you know, he's actually trying to save Peta since she has seen her mother do CPR a few times, though it isn't always successful. Uh, just when Katniss is deciding that Finnick failed and Peta wasn't going to live, uh, Peta says, <laughs> as if, and comes back to life. Um, although he doesn't say, actually say as if, um, the first thing he actually says is, careful, there's a force field up ahead. <laughs> like, yeah, no shit, Peta. Thanks for scaring all of us half to death. Uh, Katniss is still pretty hysterical for a bit and can't stop herself from making choking sounds, uh, despite Peta reassuring her that he's fine. And, uh, Finnick once again plays the pregnancy card saying, you know, it's her hormones making her act up like this. And this only makes Katniss angry mixed within, like, all the sobbing because she now feels like she'll never stop owing Finnick between continuing to cover for her in front of the cameras and, you know, the small matter of saving Peta's life. Uh, kind of hard to kill him in his sleep after that. Also, there's a moment where Finnick is looking back and forth between Peta and Katniss as if he's trying to figure something out and... We know what this means, having read the books multiple times now. Um, that this is the moment when Finnick, and more importantly, Snow, uh, realizes that Katniss does have genuine feelings for Peta. Though Katniss herself doesn't realize this yet. Uh, but it doesn't matter, because either way, Snow now knows that Peta is truly someone Katniss loves, so he can be used against her in the future, which we all know will happen. But uh, let's save all that pain for the next book. Uh, anyway, after blowing her nose with a leaf uh, Mags handed her, uh, Katniss notices the gold necklace that Peta is wearing, and it has a mocking J on it, which is both a blessing and a curse, because, you know, it gives a boost for the rebels to see him wearing it, but also decreases the chances that Snow will let Peta survive the games. They decide to keep moving, and Katniss takes the lead since she seems to know where the force field is, and instead of revealing that Wyrus and BD taught her how to spot it uh they make up a story that she can hear it that you know after the capital doctors fixed her ear after the last games um they must have done their job too well and now she can hear things that you don't think a person should be able to hear like snow falling or hearing you know insects wings flapping that type of thing um Though Katniss uh, still does throw some nuts at the force field so she and the others can still see where it is. And Max also naturally cracks open one of the nuts and eats it. Uh, Katniss freaks out and tells her to spit it out since the nuts could be poisonous, but Mags, with all the confidence and ability to not give a fuck at a level only someone in their 80s can have, waves it off like it's no big deal. Finnick laughs and says, <laughs> guess we'll find out. And, uh, yeah, spoiler alert, uh, the nuts were not poison. Mags is fine. For now. Uh, Katniss also wonders, not for the first time, why Hamish chose Finnick to be her ally, and wonders 
why Finnick has put so much effort into helping him and going to such great lengths to keep Peta alive. They take another break and Katniss climbs a different tree and from there Katniss gets a look at the whole force field shaped like a dome and it's a not a very large arena but still no signs of fresh water. And Katniss worries that the game makers uh, want the games this year to end as quickly as possible since they're proving to be unpopular with the capital citizens. But I also think that Snow wants the victors he doesn't like to die as soon as possible. And, you know, the best way to ensure tributes die sooner is to make water nearly impossible to find. Uh, they keep looking for water, but by mid-afternoon it's clear that Mags and Peta can't go on for much longer because running into that force field and, you know, nearly dying took a lot out of Peta more, more than he wants to admit. Uh, Finnick chooses a campsite near the force field, uh, that way they can use it as a weapon if they're attacked, and I'm surprised that Katniss doesn't think about the fact that using the force field is what Hamish did to win his games, and it, you know, had some severe consequences. I mean, she's got a lot going on, so we can forgive her for that, and, you know, the force field is brought up again, totally not important part of the story, guys, won't come into play at all. Uh, Mags, uh, weaves mats with grass so they can all sleep on. Uh, Katniss hunts around for some water with no success. She hears eight cannons go off, meaning that the initial bloodbath is officially over and eight tributes are dead. But at least Katniss kills an animal and they have dinner. Uh, they don't know what to call it, so they call it a tree rat. And they cook it using the force field since they don't want to risk a fire with, uh, the arena being so small. Then that night, uh, they see all the tributes that had died that day. Everyone from districts 1 through 4 are still alive. Uh, so the first one they see is the guy from 5 that Finnick killed earlier. Then the male Morphling from 6. Uh, Cecilia and Wolf from 8. Which makes me so sad since um, Cecilia's kids probably had to watch that. Uh, once again, both tributes from 9 are killed in the bloodbath. Seriously, do we ever get a named character from 9? And... Uh, the woman from 10 in Cedar also died that day. Would have loved for Cedar to have lived and been part of the Alliance, but it was sadly not meant to be. Can't have everything, I guess. Um, anyway, they get the parachute from, from Hamish, so that's good. Um, they all hope that it's water, but sadly no. No one can figure out what the gift is at first, but Katniss knows that Hamish had a hand in sending it, and his gifts, or sometimes lack thereof gifts, always have some sort of meaning behind it. Uh, Katniss lies down and starts thinking of everyone back home, thinks of the woods outside 12, and it triggers a memory with her father. And uh, with that, she's able to place what the gift is. A spile. Uh, when Katniss was a kid, her father... Uh, used one to get sap from trees and make maple syrup, and, you know, they put it on their bread to make it taste better. Uh, after Mr. Everdeen died, the spiles uh, were lost since Katniss didn't know where he had hidden them in the woods. Uh, but with the tree in the jungle, they can use the spile to get water. Uh, Peta drills a hole in the tree with uh, Mags's awl, and lo and behold, they have water! Woo! Uh, after that, they all realize how tired they are, and they're ready to go to sleep. Finnick volunteers to take first watch. At some point, Katniss is woken up by 12 bongs of a bell. Uh, Peta and Mags are apparently heavy sleepers, because they both sleep right through that. Uh, Katniss and Finnick wait to see if um, there will be any announcements, but nothing happens. 
So now Katniss takes over the watch since Finnick can't stay awake forever. And at some point she hears lightning and rain. And the rain never reaches them, which is, you know, interesting. And there's another cannon, so someone else is dead. And I'm pretty sure at this point it's Blight from Seven, because Joanna says later that he died while they were stuck in the blood rain. But anyway, um, and then Katniss sees some fog coming, you know, perfectly harmless looking fog. Until it gets too close and Katniss, and she starts to blister. And that's how the chapter ends. Even bigger plot twist is that I didn't even end this chapter with a reading. Anyway, uh, break time! Hey guys, here's me with an actual random recommendation. Um, and this is a manga series, uh, Yona of the Dawn. It is so good. I am still waiting for volume 4 because it's out of stock. And it's coming in a couple weeks, but I've read volumes 1 through 3. I really need the volume 4 now so then I can, you know, move on to the other volumes. Um, I've heard really good things about the anime, but I believe there's only one season, and apparently there hasn't been any news for season two, which is unfortunate because what I've read so far in the manga is really good, so I can only imagine the anime is just as fantastic. But uh, it's basically um, princess about Princess Yona. Um, father gets, you know, forced to leave life, and she's going to run with her bodyguard slash, you know, love interest, I guess. And it's it's amazing. Like, if you love Avatar The Last Airbender, I think you would love Yona of the Dawn. Like, this and Spy Family are, like, my new favorite things. So there's that. And, oh, and um, you're getting a bonus recommendation now. Um, the movie House Moving Castle is so good. Because I've mentioned that I love Sorcery of Thorns. It's my new favorite book. And someone told me that... Uh, that book gives off Howl's Moving Castle vibes, specifically the movie, not the book. But oh my god, the movie was so good and is exactly like I want to like I want to watch it again, just like I want to read Sorcery of Thorns again. I want to live in those worlds. Anyway, uh, but yes, Yona of the Dawn. Um, if you want a new manga series, um, it is a long one. I think there are like twenty something volumes out, maybe more. Um, but if you want a long series, um, I. This is, so far, this is a good one. And, like I said, um, universe, get my volume four to me faster, please. Anyway, uh, back to the episode. And we're back. Uh, so Katniss and crew are being attacked by poisonous fog. Um, in the first uh, line of the chapter, it says, uh, Tiny searing stabs wherever the droplets of mist touch my skin. Which, ouch! Uh, Katniss yells for everyone to run. Finnick immediately wakes up uh, and, and is at first ready to fight someone, but, you know, then sees the fog and picks up Mags and runs. And Katniss grabs Peta and pulls him through the jungle. And it's during this time that Katniss realizes just how much hitting the force field has affected Peta, and he's moving much slower than normal and keeps tripping over the vines. Uh, seeing the fog coming in from multiple directions, Katniss has a moment where she's tempted to flee and abandon Peta, like how she did the previous year when they were running from the mutts, but Katniss manages to control her fear and stick by Peta, which is a wonderful moment to show her growth and development. Uh, they manage to move a little faster, but they can't afford to rest at all. Droplets from the fog keep hitting them, and the jumpsuits offer no protection at all. Uh, Finnick realizes how behind they've gotten and shouts encouragements, and 
they use a, his voice as a guide for where to go. Uh, then Peta's artificial leg uh, ca- uh, catches on a knot and of vines and it falls down. Uh, Katniss tries to help him and notices his face twitching as another effect from the fog and her arms begin to spasm as well. And uh, with the artificial leg, it's almost impossible for Peta to walk. Um, so Finnick takes Peta and Katniss, does her best to carry Mags, but it doesn't work out very well. And Finnick can't carry both Peta and Mags, and time for reading, because, you know, more tragedy has to happen. What happens next is so fast, so senseless, I can't even move to stop it. Mags hauls herself up, plants a kiss on Finnick's lips, and then hobbles straight into the fog. Immediately, her body is seized by wild contortions, and she falls to the ground in a horrible dance. I want to scream, but my throat is on fire. I take one futile step in her direction when I hear the cannon blast. Know her heart is stopped and that she is dead. Finnick, I call out hoarsely, but he has already turned from the scene, already continued his retreat from the fog. Dragging my useless leg behind me, I stagger after him, having no idea what else to do. So yeah, that happens. Um, sucks, because Mags is the best. But uh, okay, uh, Finnick, uh, Peta, and Katniss, they keep going for who knows how long. Eventually they collapse, and Katniss expects to be overtaken by the fog, but that doesn't happen. The fog has reached the end of its territory, and they collapse just in the right spot, so they're safe. Yay! Uh, Peta also notices a pair of monkeys in the tree, but... Uh, not important at the moment. Uh, they crawl to the beach and make it to the water. And it turns out that salt water helps heal the blisters they got from the fog. And the next couple pages are just, pages are just three of them soaking themselves to heal. So nothing too important to dwell on in this moment. And I don't really have much to say for this chapter. Or really this whole episode it feels a lot shorter than usual. Since a lot of things are just happening. And... And it's just happening so fast that it's hard to sit back and digest it all, which is probably how Katniss is feeling, because we know by Mockingjay when she has time to settle down. Um, That's when the PTSD really starts kicking in. (laughs) It's so much fun, guys. Um, Like, but uh, anyway, uh, though Katniss, um, during this time when they are... um, When they are soaking themselves, um, does wonder why Finnick was almost seemingly ready to abandon Mags to save Peta. Uh, but no, no time to dwell on that, because monkey attack! And there's a couple of pages of the chapter left, so you know what that means. Time for a reading. I know every arrow must count, and they do. In the eerie light, I bring down monkey after monkey, targeting eyes and hearts and throats, so that each hit means a death. But it still wouldn't be enough without Finnick spearing the beast like fish and flinging them aside, Peter slashing away with his knife. I feel claws on my leg, down my back before someone takes out the attacker. The air grows heavy with trampled plants, the scent of blood, and the musty stink of the monkeys. Peter and Finnick and I position ourselves in a triangle a few yards apart, our backs to one another. My heart sinks as my fingers draw back my last arrow. Then I remember Peter has a sheath too. And he's not shooting. He's hacking away with that knife. My own knife is out now, but the monkeys are quicker, can spring in and out so fast you barely react. PETA! I shout! Your arrows! 
Peter turns to see my predicament and is sliding off his sheath when it happens. A monkey lunges out of a tree for his chest. I have no arrow, no way to shoot. I can hear the thud of Phoenix Triton finding another mark and and know his weapon is occupied. Peter's knife is... Peter's knife arm is disabled as he tries to remove the sheath. I throw my knife at the oncoming mud, but the creature somersaults, evading the blade, and stays on its trajectory. Weaponless, defenseless, I do the only thing I can think of. I run for Peta to knock him to the ground, to protect his body with mine, even though I know I won't make it in time. She does, though. Materializing, it seems, from thin air, one moment nowhere, the next right in front of Peta. Already bloody, mouth open in a high, pi mouth open in high pitched scream, pupils enlarged so her eyes seem like black holes. The insane morphling from District Six throws up her skeletal arm as if to embrace the monkey, and it sinks its fangs into her chest. And that's the end of the chapter, and the end, and all we got for today. So, um, we'll unpack all that next time when we, um, what we do next time, chapter. 20, uh, 22 to 24 yeah i can count I, I know numbers guys yeah this is like i said it's a fairly short episode i feel like not much to say other than a lot of people dying already <laughs> then again what i expect from a hunger games book but yes um i got nothing mu much to say it feels weird i feel like there's usually more to say at the end but Thank you guys for li for listening. Um, socials in the show notes. Uh, hope you all have a great day slash night, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.